Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pixels Podcast. Sorry, we were just vibing there for a minute. I also noticed you. I also just noticed the green screen is uh messing with your letters, so that looks fun. Oh yeah? Yeah, it looks cool though. These are clearly blue. I know green screen. Yeah, what's going on? Um uh hell of a start like us for always but we are the pixelists <laughs> we're your hosts i'm will that's blake uh talking about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy and today that's going to be some critical role episode 74 um which i am very excited to dive into we got some real juicy kind of lore explored this mm. ep, uh, at least in the second half but more on that in a in a, in a quick tidbit um first and foremost I just wanted to say thank all of you guys for helping us get to 10,000 subscribers. I, uh, do the cheering sound effect. Yeah. Wait, you know what? Actually, do you have one? You won't be able to hear it, but hey, hopefully that's not like blaringly loud, but all I hear is my own thoughts <laughs> and they make, uh, they make medicine for that these days, you know? Yeah. Anyway, 10k subs, I can afford it. <laughs> there so. we go. But yeah, y'all, thank yeah. you so much. Um, we we briefly kind of talked about this in our Loki season two episode one discussion. Uh, but we know you y'all are our main audience, so I wanted to kind of reiterate that here. Uh, but if you are watching Loki, definitely check that out. Um, it was uh it was fun because this channel began with Blake and I's first video being a Loki season one discussion. So it's been super fun for season two to just come out and yeah, us to and hit that 10K mark at the same time. I guess also we're just over two years of the Ooh. podcast. I think that was summer of 2021. I guess that's right. Because I guess there's about two years between the Loki seasons, right? Yeah. And that was also, I think, when EXU aired, which right. I think was our first D&D thing yeah i think it was exu and then calamity i think but um well, campaign three and then calamity because calamity right, was like a right. mid campaign three situation that's right that's right so calamity was a year later actually it was when we had been doing it for a year right um and yeah that's a good segue that i completely forgot about our calamity rewatch um which we have been hosting we have watched the first three so we only have the last one left um but what an episode that one is. So if you uh, if you have never seen Calamity, maybe don't jump in just for the last one, unless you're going to watch all three uh, running up to it. But this Sunday, we will be watching the finale of Calamity uh, here about, like Blake just mentioned, a year after it originally aired. But like serendipitously, it has never been more relevant in campaign three. So like mm -hmm. how lucky did we get with like this timing? Um, yeah, very which, coincidental for sure. More on that when we get into the discussion here. Um but yeah, this Sunday, yeah. 7.30 p.m. Uh, Central Time, we will be booting up episode four. So come join our Discord and uh, join us for that watch party. And of course, tomorrow, Thursday, we'll be having a watch party for uh, Critical Role C375. Yeah, and, and Will and I were talking about, there was some discussion on the Critical Role subreddit, people asking, hey, and here's the deal. I'm just going to, me and I think Will and I agree, Reddit can be pretty toxic. And so yeah. people were even like commenting and talking about it's hard to talk about even critical role nowadays without people being kind of toxic about it. 
Um, and people were asking, like, hey, where can I go to have, you know, discussions with fellow critters? Um, we'd love to invite you to the Discord, whether you are a casual fan or someone like us who watches every week's episode. Uh, literally everyone's welcome to the Discord. Again, whether you're casual or more seasoned. And it, we do watch parties every Thursday night. So you're welcome to join us. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know, like, I might need to, like, look into the permissions. But I would assume anyone could invite people to our Discord. But maybe, maybe not. But yeah, if, I don't know. if you can, feel free to invite your other critter friends. Um, those of you out there, you know, everyone is more than welcome. Just like Blake said, um, we ahead. also don't have the details to share yet. But actually, now I don't know if I should say this because you were mentioning it, making it more yeah. secretive. So now I'm wondering, <laughs> like, are we allowed to announce it, or are you wanting to wait, or <laughs> well, I, think, hold off, I or? think I know what you're talking about. So let's hold off for now. Okay, all right. But, well, yeah, we'll TBD, see. Guys, yeah, TBD, guys. TBD. Yeah. Um, Stay tuned is all I'll say. And, uh, uh, a, this is not a Witcher season two kind of thing. This is a you know still, actually stay tuned kind of thing. I still haven't watched season three. I'm planning to. I'm definitely going to. Um, not that anyone cares, but uh, last year for season two, we kind of made it this thing called Witchmas because it came out around like Christmas last year. So we watched Who's we I have never heard of this. <laughs> me and uh me and my girlfriend. We oh, watched okay. <laughs> um one like you know, bingeable shows, it's hard not to just like watch four, you know, on Netflix. Right. But we we disciplined ourselves and watched one a day. So I was like, you know what? Since like the show is in the gutter and I'm never watching it after this season anyway, I'm just gonna wait and we're gonna have one last witch miss this year as well. Um anyway, all that to say is that um season two reminded me of that so <laughs> good share it. good share um yeah. but more relevant um speaking of the discord speaking of the watch parties as some of you may or may not have seen um we have been watching or i have been watching and a lot of people have been joining me because these are less official watch parties but watching through fantasy high uh season one dimension 20's first show um which is getting a threequel early next year so that was kind of the impetus uh, to, to finally watch it. Um, so if you've never seen it before, it's probably going to be slightly more difficult unless you just don't care about like jumping in, uh, where I'm at. Um, but for those of you that, that have seen it before, which I think is a majority of people that are joining me for watching these, um, just join the discord. There's a special role you can select for the fantasy high, and then you'll get a little ping every time that happens. But, uh, I, I haven't had a chance to talk to you about this yet, Blake, but you definitely got to watch it too, man. Whenever you get the time, again? it's been, it's been so fun so far. Yeah. I think your watch parties have been like middle of the day, like some only like only during the weekends. Or? Only during the weekends. Oh, okay, that man had a family. Okay, <laughs> talking about myself. So, <laughs> but yeah, um, so been super fun. Um, so yeah, lot lots of not just Critical Role though. It is our our main our main course. Um, well, but lots of reasons to join the Discord. Not to get I don't make this intro any more long winded than it is, <laughs> which is also pretty on brand for us. Um, now that you've seen some fantasy high, that sweet, uh, emotional heartstrings, Brennan, have you gotten a little bit more of that in fantasy high? What do you mean by that specifically? Just like, you know, Brennan creates like those moments where you're just like, mm, Oh yeah. I mean, he's, the, he's the king of that, the poignant philosophical turn yeah. of phrase. So yeah, there's definitely yeah. that it's, 
I'm, I'm not like, I'm not the first no. one to explain it this way, so I'm not, you know, taking credit. I'm pretty sure this is like the punchline for a lot of people describing it, but it is very like John Hughes movie meets D&D. It's very like Breakfast Club okay, meets, yeah. meets Harry Potter school. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, but it's, I had always been told that like D, D20 was a lot more comedic, um, which I would say it is, but uh, that's not to take away from the drama and it, it, it does both. So um, yeah, okay. I've, okay, cool. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I think it's time we talked about this amazing episode. Uh, and if you guys are just uh, checking out the uh, podcast for the first time, we do do a recap at the start of every episode where we try to boil down the four or five hour episode into a 15 minute recap chunk. Uh, and then we post that separately on YouTube. So if you're watching just the recap, hello, uh, we have a link to our full discussion in the description. If you want to hear our thoughts and theories, and more importantly, we want to know what your thoughts and theories are, especially about this crazy episode. Uh, but Having said that, Will, my friend, do you want to take the first half? I thought you were the first half. Don't do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, we, we are on it this week, y'all. We have our yeah. correct halves. Um, but yes. Jeremy fault last time. <laughs> so for Campaign 3, Episode 74, Roots Between Worlds, uh, we pick up with Bell's Hells traveling through the fog of Kalutha, this island that they know Yvonne Trevere to be on. They can see these like big mountains in the distance and they determine that they're basically a couple of days travel away. So the start of this episode is basically just kind of some travel montage. They are debating their best ways to get there. Like Imogen can cast fly, Fern can, you know, uh, wild shape. But for now, they decide to just hike on foot. Um, and as they're going, they're kind of inspecting their surroundings and um, they see a couple <clears throat> or they see more than a couple, but they see wildlife in this area. Matt describes like these big like uh, at least how i envisioned it was like these big uh like hogs with like these big like almost shield like faces um really cool and as they're going along lana inspects the raito charm once more with her new eyes of the runekeeper ability um so she can now under read it and uh they figure out that it's engraved with basically somewhat of like a a mantra a religious like philosophy um talking about the owner's loved ones and their faith. Um, and we come to find out that their name was Ifadola. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Um, <clears throat> in any case, the first leg of this journey is pretty uneventful. Um, there are no encounters. The party then makes their way to a river, uh, which is about 15 feet wide and they have to cross this river. Um, so they debate what to do, but ultimately Orum takes one of their immovable rods, jumps over the river, you know, plants it uh, attached to a rope, by the way, uh, and then the other side, uh, Ashton attaches to the immovable rod in their hammer. Yeah. So the plan is Ashton is going to wait and be the last one to cross and everyone else can use this rope to help them get across. So everyone does just that. They get across and they're different uh, in their different ways. Like I think Misty Steps is used by somebody and everyone pretty much has an easy enough time getting over um, until Laudna, who actually falls in to the river and like starts getting pulled away. Uh, so Ashton jumps in after her, uh, is able to successfully, you know, get a hold of her. And Orum uh, uses seedling to like whip out a vine to like for them to grab onto. Um, but as this is happening, this big form starts coming out of the river uh, behind them, kind of like stalking them. And it's essentially this big like hippo type creature 
Uh, and there's actually a few smaller hippos behind it. Um, so they get yanked out quick enough before anything can happen. But FCG uses speak with animals to tell the hippo creatures like, Hey, sorry for disturbing you. We were just trying to get across the river. And the hippo creature just starts screaming like F off, like don't come any closer. And the little ones behind it, which are its children are like, yeah, do you tell them mom? Um, it was a great little scene. Um, so the party continues hiking, uh, until nightfall and they decide to make camp. Um, they make a little like a frame tent basically within a tree. Uh, so we have our typical round of night watches and it's all going pretty standard. Uh, but then Matt starts rolling behind the table and he tells Lana, you take nine necrotic damage. Um, we don't know why this happened. And then Orem takes six necrotic damage and Chet and Ashton are the ones on watch right now and they don't see anything. Um, so they're not even aware of this damage that's being taken in character at least. So their watch ends and they're going to return and wake up the next people. But it's now when they see these kind of like shadows moving. Um, and they Chetney lights up his chisel and sees like a dozen small shapes gathered around Laudna and Orem. So Ashton wakes everyone up. Um, Imogen tries to like telepathically connect with, with whatever these entities are. And kind of gets this sense from them that they are like feeding on the warmth of... Um, Orem and Ladna's like bodies. So they find out that they aren't like attracted just to warmth, like from a fire per se, like it's specifically from bodies. Um, Ladna casts chill touch on one and it just like explodes essentially. Uh, so they realize that these things are undead. Um, so FCG does turn undead. Ashton holds Ladna down because she's going to be affected by it by always. Uh, and 11 more of these things just get exploded. Uh, the rest then recoil and Chet is looking around and kind of can see these shadows everywhere around them. So they decide to build a big fire uh, to kind of keep, you know, have more light, keep the shadows more scarce. And um, the rest of the night, they're just really on guard. Um, the watch is ultimately complete with no more events. And we make it to day two. Day two, again, we're hiking. Traveling's going pretty smoothly. Um, until they come to a spot where Orem notices there's clearly a trap on the ground. Um, Imogen throws a rock at it and there is indeed like a pit trap full of like sharp sticks at the bottom. So they're wary of that, but they continue on and they start to spot even more traps. Um, but they are able to avoid all of them. And finally, as they travel, um, they're like, we don't know exactly where this tree is. And FCG is like, well, I have a spell called find a path. Um, but we don't really have anything to like use because we've never been to this tree before, <laughs> but they have the idea of, well, maybe we could use Ashton as kind of like a way to facilitate the spell. Cause he has like something okay. to do with the tree and they're like, okay. Uh, and it doesn't work at all. So he wastes a six level <laughs> spell, um, but they continue on. And then um, they start to hear snapping twigs around them. And they can see several figures kind of moving in the jungle around them and a voice shout out in a foreign language. Uh, and these people are like painted and camouflaged, blending like really well into the jungle. Uh, so FCG casts tongues so he can communicate with these people and they're yelling, put down your weapons. So Bell's Hells do just that. And the central figure, which is a female, lowers her bow and she asks, who are you and how did you get here? And that's where we go to break on the first half. Yeah, so coming back from the break, um, she's actually speaking in common, and so the group is actually able to already interact with her. 
Um, it's very much standoff isn't the right word, but they are very much wary of um, the party bells, hells, and kind of like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Um, Imogen immediately says, um, says the name Ifadola, um, or if Ifoldra, Ifadola, I think. Yeah. Uh, the the name of the hunter who had owned the Raito charm, uh, and there is a look of confusion from this figure of like kind of like you're with them, like this doesn't make sense, like what? Um, Orm immediately jumps in and basically is like, "Hey, don't shoot! I'm getting something out of my bag," and basically hands the Raito charm over. Um, which disarms the situation a bit for the moment. Um, the woman is somewhat grateful and uh, basically says, uh, Timu isn't around anymore, but uh, their family will be glad to get this back. Uh, and the party basically says, like, yeah, we took this from a big monster that we killed. And, oh, by the way, we also destroyed your traps along the way. Um, <laughs> they come to find out that these are the, I think, Aisho uh, was it how it was pronounced? Uh, yeah, Aisho, I think. Aisho. Um, this Aisha. is a <laughs> this is a sect of the Ascended Host, which the Ascended Host are. It's the faction that protects uh, Kalutha. Like, <laughs> I'm not mixed up with the, the alcoholic drink Kalula. <laughs> uh, the island of Kalutha, also the faction that is in opposition of the ghost pirates from just an episode prior. Uh, but this is a faction, a subsect of the uh, Aisho um, who uh, protect the island. Uh, immediately, they're like, what are you doing here? Are you grave robbers? Like, are you here to loot the island? And Ashton speaks up and basically says, no, I'm a Hishari. I'm here. I'm of primordial blood. We're looking for Yvonne Trevier. The woman does not recognize the name Hishari at all. And uh, Ashton is asked to do a persuasion check. Uh, and with advantage, rolls a nine. Um, so the Aisho uh, basically said, hey, we're not going to help you, but we also will leave you to it. Um, and essentially go their separate ways. Not before Fern really tries to call them back and have a conversation, but they're gone. They're out of here. So the party's kind of like, okay, well, where do we go next? Um, Imogen casts fly on herself. She swoops up into the sky and looks over this massive, dense rainforest. Uh, and actually even goes back down and picks up Orem, who, you know, always rolls a 30 plus for perception yeah. to try to get some kind of insight onto where to go. They notice this area where two mountains on the island seem to sort of like sink in. Uh, and as they travel through the rainforest, the land begins to descend before it finally re before they finally reach this massive maw of a sinkhole. Um, just this large, open, endless pit in front of them with like water and uh, just the the landscape sort of rolling off into this pit uh, we get a great callback from um, early episodes of a similar pit that Orem lost FCG's coin in uh, and they're they're kind of like well is this whole Yvonne Trevier like what should we do there's a number of checks that happen across the party Ladna um, does realize that there's something alien but also very familiar about this hole they know that Yvonne Trevier, uh, as the Tree of Atrophy, is described as being between worlds. And so there's something about like the afterlife or death or being undead that is familiar to her is what's implied. Uh, and uh, FCG eventually flips his coin and asks the Changebringer, like, hey, if we jump in this hole, are we going to die? And gets a pretty clear answer from Matt that, no, you won't die. Uh, so the party's like, 
sure, let's jump in the hole. <laughs> and so they all decide to jump into this massive crater, this what pit. Um, they do have a couple of ways to sort of mitigate things going badly. They have Featherfall. Um, I think they had Fly. Maybe there was something else too. But Shoebill. That's right. Uh, for its Shoebill form. <laughs> um, they descend into this pit, and it it eventually they find themselves falling through uh, these dark jet black uh, leaves of sprawling branches and they can see the sky up above them, but they eventually descend into, it's like a web of branches. Um, and they find themselves at the base essentially of this massive Deku tree, I guess is kind of how I envisioned it. Um, they, they're kind of like, I think this, this has to be Yvonne Trevier. They also note, note there's skulls everywhere, and not just skulls from seemingly the Ascended Host or locals here, but it seems like there's artifacts from years, hundreds of years prior, and notably nothing has dust on it. It all seems pretty like pristinely preserved. Um, Ashton goes up to the tree, puts his hand on it, and he's like, hey, man, I'm primordial. What's up? <laughs> Tell me what's going on. And these big eyeballs open up on the tree, uh, and we get a a conversation with Yvonne Trevier. And Yvonne Trevier is presented as sort of like this sage. Interestingly enough, seems to know not only what's happened in the past, but also knows what will happen in the future. And basically tells Ashton an incredible lore reveal that Eftaran did in fact come to him previously. And Eftaran was directed to go retrieve a relic of the Primordials, uh, a shard of Kamort, the Empress of Earth, which is a great calamity mentioned, by the way. Uh, he retrieved it, and then through the ritual that ultimately led to his doom, uh, Ashton was created in the form that he is now, or was transformed, rather. Um, and basically says Eftaran's doom was meant to happen to bring Ashton to this point. Uh, there's a really awesome dialogue about um, Ashton basically saying he's a nobody, he doesn't believe in fate, uh, and Yvonne Trevere's like, you know, you're going to have to get over that, man, because no, there are no nobodies who come to me, and fate does exist, and there is a fate for you. And basically gives them this amazing next quest and says, you know, you need to go acquire the other shard of the Primordials, uh, the shard of Raushan. Um, and explains, I think it was called like the Cinder Maw or the Cinder something, um, like a volcanic area that he would send them to uh, to go retrieve this, but warns that having two fragments in the same body uh, could sunder his form entirely. While they're here, they're also like, hey, you seem like a really smart guy. You seem to know the past and the future. Tell us what the heck's going on with Radathos. Like, is this something like what what should we be doing here? Yeah. Uh, which if you've been watching long term, there's always been this dialogue on like, is Pradathos the good guy or the bad guy? Should we stop them or not? And Yvonne Trevere basically explains that, um, gives a vision of like an endless red, um, this endless red that seems to chase away the gods. Uh, but then more specifically says that lewdness likely should be stopped. Um, and then also clues the party in to the fact that they are being scried on, um, that they are being watched by some external force. Um, there's also a funny scene of um, Ashton basically being like, hey, you need to chill out and like shoves his pipe into um, 
Avantravir's mouth and like forces him, I think Orm like casts a gust and like forces him to smoke the pipe. Yeah. Uh, and we get a really cool detail from Matt of like, as the smoke comes out, we see figures, people running who are ultimately caught and dissipate. Uh, we find out that Avantravir was uh, formerly uh, a Galdrashari who um, was part of the formation of the Pact of Crown and Throne, uh, which is a calamity mention, uh, and tasked himself with helping people escape the calamity. Uh, and now where he resides, he also um, remains with those that he could not save. Um, all that to say, um, he opens up essentially a portal and sends the party to this place uh, to receive, uh, to retrieve the shard of Ramshan, uh, and that is where uh, our episode ends. Uh, episode seventy-four: A Route Between Worlds. So, don't forget if you're watching the recap, uh, we do have a link for the full episode discussion, and let us know what you guys think of this episode as well. So, yeah, well done, man. Um, yeah, you too. Uh, very meaty episode. Very meaty. The the second half, obviously, especially a um, lot of a lot of heavy, heavy lore dropped. Um, and a I know lot in the of, cal- or sorry, uh, I was going to say I know in the Discord a lot of us were freaking out um, as soon as the dialogue started happening about yeah. Roshan and Kamort because we've been doing the Calamity rewatch, you know. Yeah. But it was just like, yes, put this nostalgia directly into my veins. Hundred <laughs> percent. What were um, you saying though? I was I was just waxing poetic still just there was a lot of heavy lore and a lot of like um what's the word I'm looking for like to be analyzed like it wasn't just like it was kind of I can't think of the word I'm looking for but uh it wasn't explicitly spelled out necessarily there's interpretation to be to be had on kind of the exact phrasing of things that Matt put out there so I'm excited to get into it today Right. And as, as you were talking, I was actually looking for that share I did of the um, questions and answers mm. that Avon Trevere. Yeah. Um, man, if I, you can put find it, it. I can't look. I can't also I look because if I, I, I don't mess up our webcams. I know, and I just actually <laughs> just tried to move it. And then I was like, oh, shoot, I can't. Um, um, <clears throat> let's see here. You can maybe look at it on your phone. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah. So for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, Blake, um, now, where did you get that from? Reddit or from Reddit? So yeah, Blake shared a Reddit post uh, shortly after the episode that was like a detailed recap of like exactly the questions and the responses from Yvonne Trevere, Uh For anybody that wanted to take a, a deeper look at it, um, <clears throat> okay, let's let's. I I think we should maybe knock out if there is anything like anything in the first half, anything pre Yvonne Trevere, just not get that out of the way and then move right into that stuff. Um, yeah. Um, I'm just taking a quick look. I at mean, the first half was just fun. It's just fun. D and D like the hippos and um, yeah, those, hippo- <laughs> those hippos were great. <laughs> um, we got so just scrolling through my phone here. You're fine. Um, the really only interesting thing I guess would be to, to kind of, just looking at, at at the shattered teeth as a whole, um, which isn't just this episode, but you know the previous one with the smelly one and the the mees, um, mm-hmm. and now we're getting these these hippos and those those like big faced boars as I called them, uh, but then these like undead 
shadow entities that were like draining their life in the night. Um, uh-huh. Very interesting. Uh, I mean, I, I'm assuming those specifically, since we know they're undead and like maybe that had something to do with Yvonne Trevere, not like that Yvonne Trevere sent them, but since Yvonne Trevere is like treading the line between life and death, uh-huh. like maybe the immediate surrounding area kind of has some kind of weird undead or, you know, straddling the line type creatures. Um, just thought it was cool. Uh, this this whole area has been really cool just really fun and cool to me in terms of like the world building. Um, yeah. And it's just a really it's, cool place in Exandria. You know, we haven't really seen anything like this. It's going to be sad when we move on from it, which they're still there in the shattered teeth currently for this next episode. Right. Um, but I'm just such a junkie for um, calamity that I'm just like, even from the first time they said they were going here, I was like, Whoa, this is really cool. Yeah. Um, which I don't know if that was something I'm sure like it wasn't as punchy, but I know in campaign two, when they went to Aor, they go to Aor, right? Right. Um, was it a similar, like let's spend some time here or, um, I mean, I didn't see it obviously. Right, so, right. Um, I didn't have the calamity, right. Calamity you know, didn't oh, exist yet. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, the calamity happened obviously, but the, Brennan Lee Mulligan led four shot did not exist yet. Um, No, it it was super cool. And they do spend a good chunk of time there. Um, I don't want, I won't, I don't want to get into like spoiler territory. Um, But yeah, that is any time that you get to like interact with the deep lore is cool. And whether that Mm -hmm. in in this case, in both of these cases, we're talking like calamity or pre calamity age of Arcanum stuff, but not even limited to that. Just in general, whenever you get to like, you know, the deep, the deep lore where you can see where Matt, like, cause I mean, I guess I can't speak for Matt, but like when I'm world building, that's the stuff that like I love the most, but it's also kind of the stuff that like may never see the light of day. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, <clears throat> cause you're not just going to tell your random, like level two paladin that just woke up in the tavern. Who's like looking to go do an escort mission, like about the gods and how the world was formed, you know? Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm losing myself here, but, Love it. Yeah. So Aeor a- was similar in that way. Um, just always cool to, to yeah. see that kind of stuff. And it makes me think a little bit about Melesmir um, in the sense of Matt has a, such a great knack for world building in the sense of you get the sense that like things were happening there before the party got there and that things will continue to be happening when yeah. they leave. Yeah. Um, which I think sometimes in D&D when you DM, it can be hard to create situations or settings that aren't very flat like right. a party engage it's 2d i guess i can't yeah, yeah. describe it but you engage with it and then you move on and it kind of ceases to exist i yeah. guess like um, in a video game it only renders like what's right in front of you and then everything else is deleted. yeah <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah from that it's really cool because it's like you, you just get the sense that this is rather than creating something for the players, like this is something created that the players are now discovering right yeah uh, and then we we buy um effect of that are also discovering it with them yeah. so very cool agreed 100 percent agreed i was actually wondering this is tangentially related but i had this thought from matt and i was just like i wonder how how he keeps all of this organized like because you know he has so much lore that we've never seen um that probably a lot of it will never be seen and so I'm wondering, like, I just wonder what his, like, organizational setup is to, like, remind himself, like, what he's told 
certain people mm. win because there's just especially after seven years there's i i can only imagine like yeah. i i played for like 20 sessions and i was like what did i tell this character that piece of lore or this one yeah. like, i needed a better system yeah. to keep track of it well he said in the wired interview that he uses um google docs to organize everything but on that note i mean he never seems to miss a beat when someone asks which let's be real the cr team are really bad at remembering like <laughs> key things like whenever ralph sean and Kamort were mentioned and sam was like okay who is that and like was writing it down i was like bro you were in the calamity four shot man yeah like you were there you know but <laughs> All that to say, um, he does such a great job of being, even when someone misremembers something where he's like, oh, actually, that was this character. Yeah. Um, and you're right. I mean, when I play with my characters, like I was playing the other day or last night and someone was like, what was that person's name? And I was like, <laughs> like, uh... but, then, but then another player like had their note and they're like, oh, it's Rodrigo. I don't know. Mm. Make it says a name. And I'm like, yes, that so is who it is. Inspiration so. for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But anyway, but yeah, um, so yeah, Shattered Teeth have been awesome so far. Um, I, I was curious, I mean, it, I don't think it was ever going to get there, but part of me wonders what happens if those things completely kill you because it happened while they were sleeping. Mm. They didn't. And maybe if, maybe if the damage had persisted, there would have been some sort of like roll d20 to see if you wake up and see what's happening but like at least that hadn't happened yet so like i wonder if like there's no one around could those just kill you and you don't even like get a chance to defend yourself type of thing and what happens if so like do you become one um those are all the types of thoughts that i have but uh really cool but i'm looking at my notes here i don't think i really have anything else to to talk about pre of Revere. yeah okay let's jump into it all right. And I, I did find the uh, uh, thing I was talking about. Um, okay. Oh, nice. Okay, good. Um, you want to start us off? I, I don't really, you know, as always, I just kind of have random thoughts yeah, that I want to um, explore, but I don't know if I have a good so ordering to it. I, I just like how we got a little bit of like um, uh, a ribbon tie on like the story of F. Terran in the sense of there were some looming questions. Um, yeah. Notably, what was he doing with the ritual that destroyed the Hishari? Um, what was the artifact that's been mentioned a few times that people have kind of it's kind of got over people's head? What was yep. the artifact that was mentioned? Um, and I think we even had some disagreement in the Discord a little bit about this. But for me, the implication isn't even so much necessarily true that the shard in Ashton's head is the shard of Kamort, though I think that's a possibility. But regardless um he has the shard within him like he right. was maybe i think of like um you know like uh the biblical uh oh, isaac or abraham uh, i don't know what, which way it is but one of them become an earth elemental yeah right in the bible <laughs> yeah They're like the sacrificing of the son the old testament story oh but yeah, I was, yeah i was thinking like i got that kind of vibe of like the reason Ashton survived or was transformed is that maybe Ashton was like the central sacrificial part of this ritual. Uh, and that is what, you know, combined the fragment of um, Kamort uh, with him. Um, but it was cool that we got that answer. Um, and also this really cool 
fate-styled discussion about Efteren and what Efteren was meant to do and the path that Efteren was was meant to take and some cool implications around like destiny and like what are what choices do we have and yeah. you know it's all very interesting um but that was a really cool just a cool uh revelation about ashton yeah um yeah I'm, let's park there for a second because there's a lot i want to talk about just in that so one confirmation that that was indeed his dad which we didn't have hard confirmation on that until that moment i don't think um but two I'm speaking of the destiny stuff. I was very interested in this because, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't there some implicate or some phrase that like implied F. Taren had some sort of like dreams or visions or foresight of his own greatness? Yeah. I think there had been something discussed about that and maybe in like line of him being like the charismatic leader that he was. And then we specifically got, that from Yvonne Drevere in this session, this episode where it was like he was, he had visions of greatness, but was unaware of how, how he would be leaving his mark. Yeah. So being I'm curious about that. Like, you know, within the, with the realm of D and don't necessarily know what it would be, but I'm wondering if like, <clears throat> What what was giving him these visions, especially knowing that it was to his own doom ultimately? Like he was just being used as a pawn, mm-hmm. essentially to create Ashton. Um, mm-hmm. And I loved the like. Well, before I move on to that, uh, the ritual. So we know that he had. I don't know if delusions of grandeur is a fair way to put it or not, but like he had this big idea of his own destiny, and you know went to a Vontrevere, got the shard of. Um, Camort. <clears throat> and then because of how he's being character characterized and the fact that Avon said he didn't know like, like that his own doom was part of this for my money, he was trying to like imbue himself with that thing, not Ashton. Right. Be mm-hmm. on the same page with that. Yeah. So then therefore it combining with Ashton was just a freak coincidence yeah. i mean it, it was yeah, predestined it was, as it were but yeah. like he wasn't like combined with my son you know like <clears throat> so um well, that's really interesting to me and it destiny is thrown out a lot and um but you know ashton kind of rejects it and, and this is the type of, well, okay, I'm, I'm, there's like so many different little branches I want to go down, but I don't want to leave Eftarian yet. So for my money, <clears throat> something gave him these visions, presumably, and is using him. He gets the thing. He takes it back. He dies, presumably. Ashton becomes this, this vessel for Kamort, which that's what transformed him into an Earth Genasi. One of the big questions we've been wondering about the whole campaign. Um and referring to the shard, like you mentioned in the Discord, so we, we know for certain that Ashton has Luxon in his head. Luxon mode of possibility, Luxon, whatever you want to call Luxon it. Dunamancy. Juice. Yeah. Dunamantic juice. So I think <laughs> that's like the the eight ball, the magic eight ball in his head. But in the art, I think there's also like a it's like a stalagmite, or that's not the right word. Yeah. But there's it, like a yeah. geode or something in his head. So like yeah, maybe that right. is what 
That's what um, I was thinking, but some people in the Discord were like, eh, I don't know about that, and which I'm okay either way if it is or isn't. But yeah, I mean, let me see here. In any case, it's just aesthetic. Like he is the vessel and he is the shard. So you know whether that is like a physical manifestation of it or not is kind of beside the point at this point, you mm -hmm. know. But that would be cool. Um, yeah, he does have some kind of like, like you said, geode right here in his head. Which okay, I know I'm just I'm just admitting defeat on jumping all over the place because there's too many things I want to say and I know I'm not going to remember to come back to it if I don't jump. But so that that happened when he was young, and then the the accident with Milo and the the dunamancy happened when he was older. What's interesting right. to think about is considering this like destiny and predestined uh, predeterminism yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, if he was on a path, then the fact that he then got interwoven with dunamantic magic is very interesting because that is the magic of possibility. Mm -hmm. So like if you, if you, if you imagine he was on a hard cut road to like whatever destiny this was, that accident could end up being the best thing that ever happened to him because now like he can, he can do whatever he has, you know, mm infinite possibilities to choose from yeah that makes um, sense which i thought was cool and i also just thought it was <clears throat> so I, I think at the beginning of this episode i mentioned reddit and the discord and all that stuff so i don't, I don't often go on the critical role reddit mostly because a lot of the times it is negative uh, and, and we won't get into it but the top comment was about <clears throat> um ashton at first going up to the tree being like, I am Ashton Titan of blood. Like I've come to get what's mine. Right. And then five minutes later was like, I don't believe in destiny. Like I put all that aside. And like the comment was complaining about like how he just completely flip flopped and like, what's up with that characterization. And this is why I just don't like Reddit. Cause I'm like, what? Like I loved that. Like I thought that was like awesome characterization because that's been his like whole arc is like putting on this front. And to me, yeah. it's like, I'm at the tree. Uh, like he was trying to be what he thought he needed to be in that moment. And then quickly the, the kind of veil comes off when like it, it gets real, if I can put it that way. Um, so I thought it was awesome by RP by Talison, but it really surprised me to see that was the top comment. And it was like negative about, uh, yeah. Um, and I was, I was just looking for it. And I, I couldn't find it, but, um, Anyway, yeah, I, I mean, I think one of the central themes about Ashton is accepting who he is and also being willing to be the hero. Um, yeah. We've had some really awesome developments for his character, notably when he had the outfit change and the person was asking, like, what, do you, what style are you looking for? And he said, I'm looking for something heroic. Um, this person who was relatively apathetic and maybe not indifferent, but kind of minded, very neutral, um, who has transitioned into a let's save the world um, kind of person. And so, yeah, I don't, it doesn't confuse me at all. It's, it's this person who's trying to be this glimpse of who he realizes he's capable of being and then falling back into the old habits of I'm a nobody, I'm nothing. I mean, we're talking probably years of self-deprecating talk uh, that he's used to. Um, so, and I, I just left all Von Trevere kind of snubbed that it was like, you know, I love the, um, you know, there are no nobodies who come to me. 
Yeah. Um, basically like, Hey, fate exists, whether you like it or not. Um, and I love the, so, the layer of that being that his group was the nobodies, you know, mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> that's like, Oh no, I was just saying that your group hadn't come. <laughs> uh, so. but, but yeah, and I, I totally agree with that characterization. And I, I think that's been the cool arc to watch with Ashton recently. Um, and especially I love the parallel of, I think the, I think the first statement to Yvonne Trevere, um was like intense, like full on kind of like old Ashton, like punk, like a front, like you're like, I, you know, and, and less of like, I don't think that line was him like trying to embrace the heroic role and then like immediately folding back from it. I think it was more like, false bravado to you know kind of a i don't know but the the main point i'm getting at is the cool parallel between how we know his father came to avon trevere and said the same thing basically at least in spirit but probably like really truly thought that about himself and look yeah. what happened to him yeah yet now we have ashton who like starts that way but that's not really it and yeah. you know he's really <laughs> rejecting it um and it'll be really interesting to see their destiny becomes to, you know, contrast yeah. that of his father. Um, I really like the duality of that. That's really like a fun flip. Um, so it's fun how those things come together for sure. Yeah. Um, so his dad got the shard from Kamort from the necropolis of Toramunda. Uh, just a banger of uh, location. <laughs> uh, and now they are... Uh, some people were confused. They're not going there. They're going to the other place that has the shard of Rashan, the uh, Chinese Chinese. Mall. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it either. It's like C H Y. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, a volcanic mass on the island of Igtholdis, uh, within the side of the Athos Peak. Uh, and he says, "It is my destiny to show you the way, but be warned: holding the strength of two in one vessel might sunder it. Um, find and bestow the might of the Emperor, which." I wonder if that means like Ashton is going to become like insanely powerful or if he's going to hand that shard off to, you know, um, Fern, her, her subclass is, um, circle of, uh, the wildfire spirit or circle of wildfire, whatever it's Mm -hmm. called. So there's a little fire element with her. So I I didn't know if it meant like he was going to hand it off or, if we are really going to see Ashton become the most powerful member of the party. <clears throat> yeah. I don't, I don't know either. Like, uh, I mean, we know that Ashton is like a, a homebrewed, uh, subclass. Right. So like, I think now that we know this about the shard of Kamort and stuff, I'm sure that's kind of like at least the in universe reason for why. Um, so that's to say like, if, if he did combine with the other shard, I think there would be some obvious like new class mechanics or new racial abilities that would certainly be unlocked, but I couldn't see it being something like Ashton is now like level 20, you know, to, to put it simply. Um, well, I'm assuming the power spikes probably like when um, Vax got the uh, death, death Walker cloak, like, or... like a legendary item type of, yeah. Like was, was there like a pretty obvious, like, I mean, it was, it was exaggerated in the show, but I think that makes sense because yeah, okay. it's a the different medium. I mean, it's it's a really powerful item, but, you know, in D&D, like, yeah, you might use it every combat, but like, are you really like, 
I don't know. I don't want to like demean the item because it's a great item, but like, I don't know if you're like really like hardcore noticing it, you know, it's not like you're mm-hmm. going super Saiyan necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> you can um, cast disintegrate at will <laughs> <laughs> to anything within 10 feet. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, I, I was wondering this too. Okay. I was going to say, yeah, what's your guess on what he's going to do with that? Well, so it's this seems to be his like story right now but there was the warning about like it could sunder one vessel but could and i thought mm-hmm. it was interesting because like ashen is like uniquely already sundered you know so like and uniquely has the dunamancy in his head which is the infinite possibilities so like maybe he's i know i've said uniquely like eight times Maybe he's like uniquely qualified to be able to house both. Mm. Um, maybe maybe made whole by housing both. Ooh, perhaps. But like, what happened? Like, okay, I don't want to go there just yet. But so, <clears throat> I think I think it's in the hands of the players. Like, I think Matt could do either. Like, I think with what we just said, it could make it make perfect sense for Ashton to be able to do both. Or if they decide, hey, let's give it to Fern or let's give it to whoever, um, then he'll run with that. So for my money in Matt's mind, it's an open book. It's an open choice right now. Um, I don't I don't really know which way they'll go. I'm cu- I kind of want it to be Ashton just to see what would happen. Um, but I don't know. I'm interested to see kind of regardless of if it happens, but especially if it happens where Ashton is both like nothing comes without a price, you know? And I I don't want to put like one singular entity behind things, pulling the strings. Cause I don't really think that's what's at stake here, but like whatever this destiny is, whatever these visions were like, there's some motive, right? There's some like end goal behind it. So like, could Ashton like, disappear and like just becomes the avatar of the Titans and like is no longer Ashton. You know what I mean? Like not that he's going to be like Kamort resurrected necessarily, but I do, I do wonder where Matt's going with it though, in the sense of it feels like Matt's been making it clear that this is not like a return story of Raushan or Kamort that, we had um, the dialogue from Havestro, uh, I think, uh, was his name, where they were talking about the Primordials, and he was like, the Primordials are gone. Yeah. They're gone. Uh, and then we got something similar from Yvon Trevere, where right. Yvon Trevere says the Primordials are no more. Um, but also that this, there's an opportunity to like... Um, like a resurgence or something. I need to find the notes here. Um, point being, I'm just, I'm curious, like what Matt is. I mean, I'm just curious, like where this goes, like, is he, be, I, so I guess what I'm saying is I don't think he's going to become like an avatar of Roshana Komort, but maybe usher in like the new version of the primordials, which are distinctly different from the original ones. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I could see something like that. Because we've had all this, at least recently, you know, this Eidolon kind of mm-hmm. groundwork being laid out. Um, right. Especially in a god vacuum, which may not be the case. Right. But I could see, like, we now have to kind of usher in. And maybe they don't have control of it, but they're like, we're going to do our best to kind of usher in this new age of 
not the Titans coming back, but just this new age of elemental idols right. and entities. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I too don't see like Ash, like Matt saying, "All right, Tal, make a new character because Ashton is now the Titan and my NPC." Like, I don't see that happening. But I'm just very curious, like what the consequences could be because it doesn't seem like it's just. I mean, maybe it could be just a purely pure boon. Yeah. Um, here's here's by the way the uh, question that I, I did find it looking at it. Um, so they're asking about uh, the Titans and the balance between the Titans and the gods. Um, and Avantrevir says uh, Avantrevir cannot say if the gods are a blessing or a bane. Some seek to harmonize, others subjugate, and some destroy. However, the Titans are gone. All that remains is what was before and what comes after, uh, which I think is very interesting. Uh, the divine are pilgrims made idols. Refugees become conquerors. They are not makers, but crafters, shapers, and devotees follow in their image. The followers take what is found and make it into something new, sometimes beautiful, sometimes terrible. And this freaking line from Matt, is that the God's nature or are they a reflection of us? Um, so little note about the Titans, but also a lot to unpack from that yeah. whole thing too. Of, yeah. Um, which isn't the first time this has come up, by the way, of like the deities not actually being even the part, even this party has talked about it. Um, the deities not actually being like the origination of all things great, but actually sort of, um, maybe harnessing, harnessing the magic of their followers or uh, rather gathering the magic from their followers. Um, but especially this line about calling them refugees, like having left and come from somewhere, um, I don't know. What's your reaction to all of that stuff that I just shared? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, to to put the last note on the, the elementals and the titans and stuff, I think you said in that that, you know, they're gone. All that remains is what was before and what comes after. So I think, yeah, it's not like Roshan and Kamort are going to, like, get resummoned. Um, but I think that especially the after could be alluding to, given what happens, if there's a vacuum, if there's not, like, maybe... Maybe Ashton is like uniquely positioned to be able to kind of usher in these elemental powers anew. Um, you, just pausing there for a second. Is there any? I mean, I've been I've been working on some content. Yeah. Um, it's it's taking me a long time to actually get it done. But this this question, big question mark around the goodness or badness of the party. And something that strikes me as interesting is we're talking about shards of these primordials that were fairly explicitly evil in Calamity. Like we know that from the Calamity uh, foreshot that it was foretold that if Roshan and Komort were to join the betrayals, betrayers that not only would the deities be destroyed, but it would be an endless age of ash and devastation on the world. So I'm also interested as to like what kind of power are they supposedly walking into and what kind of impact is that going to have on Ashton and that's, it's not fair to say like his morality, but you know, you're, it's just, it's interesting. It's, I don't know if, if it's too much of a stretch or if there would be something there from like a plot thread. Yeah. I don't, so this is where it's it's we're getting like into the the depths of it because I don't know if it's fair to call them evil. Uh, the the, the Titans pretty explicitly. Well, that's fair. Not to call the Titans in general evil, 
Um, I think that's what made Asmodeus so compelling in Calamity um, with his backstory. Uh, however, the prophecy about, or the for, the, what was foretold, was that these two primordials specifically... Um, right. And, but yeah. So, but... but- there's like there's so much like context, but at that point they'd already been there'd already been a war. They'd been imprisoned. So like if they got out, of course they're gonna work with the betrayers to overthrow their imprisoners. Now I'm not saying like I'm not going to bat and saying that you know they did nothing wrong. But, it sounds like you are. But I mean, a very I, big energy from you usually I'm just, is. I'm just saying like if we go back to the history that we've been told, which might not be true, you know who knows? Uh, you know because who knows? History is written by the victors, right? But the gods came to Exandria and there's the, the Luxon had already embraced the planet, which is a lot of maybe why the gods were drawn there in the first place, but the elemental Titans and stuff were already there. And so they kind of just come to this. You be chill. I'll be chill situation. But then the gods oh. make humanity and things are still chill, but then they start granting humans more and more powers. And then the Titans are like, yo, not cool because now these humans are like taming us and like fighting us and that's what led to the war right so they are like diametrically opposed to humanity and stuff at this point but like not you know like i just don't get don't they have they get you empathizing with them but i just don't get like you big so like hey whoa i'm just saying they're not like like, (laughs) i'm just saying the elemental (laughs) primordial entities energy is not inherently evil especially if we're talking about like a new generation if we can call it that like it's not like a malevolent source they just happen to be on the other side of the war given to all these circumstances you know what i'm saying so like if kamort teleported back to the world i'm sure he's gonna have beef with everybody but like if if this is like a new you get what i'm saying it's just not like it's not like an inherently evil energy i'd be okay if it was just primordial energy in general but they are getting a shard of that specific character (laughs) it'd be like hey yeah i got this shard of satan but it's all good man you know he it's not satan himself it's just his essence which comort wasn't that i'm just trying to give an explanation of like a presumably evil character um right you know, I, I get, I, I get what you're I, saying. I'm all about you being empathetic, you know, and like, <laughs> hey, this wasn't really fair. I get it, you know, but I'm also, you, you seem like you're leading pretty hard into no, like, I, I just, you know, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to say that it is, it's not necessarily evil, but I get what you're right. saying. I, I, I think we agree. So, <laughs> okay, where do we go from here? I, I, there was such a random segue that yeah. I threw us into. Um, um, I feel like I, I, I was talking about just. Matt, I mean, I have to think that he like rehearsed this because it was so well done. Um, but this, the descriptions of the gods and um, not being creators but shapers. Oh yeah. Um, so then I interrupted you. I think as you were chatting about it. Yeah, I was just gonna say that that is kind of like I just said in that in that one history of creation that we are told that the gods came to Exandria and were presumably drawn by something. So they didn't. They weren't just always here and and made stuff like they came here. So and I don't remember when it was, but there was another piece of like deep lore that also invoked the imagery of like the gods being refugees, like they were running from something, maybe Perdothos. Um, Mm -hmm. But so now we got that same verbiage used here, refugees. 
Um, and yeah, I just, <clears throat> I love this, this understanding being deepened where like, you know, they're just gods to, to us, but they themselves, maybe where they're from are not necessarily like seen as gods. Um, mm-hmm. and they're, they kind of shaped their own identities by, from their followers, which makes it really interesting if, if we can take Asmodeus at his word of like, they showed up and each chose different domains and you know the betrayers just got left with left with the scraps as it were um mm-hmm. but yeah I, i'm really interested to find out more if if we do where they came from what like what the true origin of all this is like mm-hmm. does the luxon play into it as well um mm-hmm. but yeah i also <clears throat> um one one final thing on the on the titans and stuff before i move on to this next part with uh, what Avantravir said, but I thought it was interesting that the, I don't remember the exact word of the question, but the, one of the things they asked Avantravir was like, how do we beat lewdness? Right. And Matt gave a pretty kind of cryptic answer. Not, you know, he didn't say like go for the head. Um, but the first things he says are about the shards of the two Titans. So I'm wondering like, is that just Matt kind of painting the picture of where they need to go next? Or is there like something explicit about these Titans and their power that is going to Mm. like be a trump card against lewdness? So reading the answer um, on how to defeat lewdness, the tree inhales again. They see blurry flashes of the earth and spark. Uh, I I guess actually this is why people in the discord were saying it wasn't the shard in his head because this seems pretty deliberate. Um, the group sees blurry flashes of the earth and spark that beats in the chest of your compatriot, Ashton. Uh, flickering flame that is embedded within the roiling fires in molten earth of some distant cavern. That's the other one. Uh, an empty, an endless dusty expanse, cries of anguish, bloodshed and war, the bloody bridge, the moon. This is the path you've chosen. Follow your convictions or change them. I cannot tell you what is right. So I just thought it was interesting that they ask how to beat lewdness and like, those two Titan things were the immediate answer. Yeah. Right. Could just be, this is where the narrative's going. Like, like this is, you know, boom, boom, boom. Or is there like something specific about that? That is going, you know, it feels like there's still another shoe to drop though, because Ludinus was studying the primordials. And from his journal, there was a mention of a hidden away primordial or something like that. Yeah, I think now in retrospect, I feel like that must just be referring to one of these shards. Oh, okay. So one of the shards tucked away. I feel like that makes more sense than like a, you know, I don't, that's just my guess. I'm not like saying that's fact or anything, but that's makes sense. Don't you think, don't you think it's kind of interesting that he would, let's say it is the shards that he would be, studying those things like it's a bit of a coincidence that he would be studying the things that the party would be fated to retrieve to ultimately defeat him um i don't know it's kind of an interesting it's just it's been interesting yeah i mean it i could see like that entire realm of things just being in his area of study in trying to like how do I take down the gods? And, you know, primordials were like their original enemies. So like, I could see him like looking into it for that reason. Um, but it is super interesting. Um, but okay. So 
the other vision that I thought was really interesting. And well, okay. Well, here's a question that I have to ask before this is can a Vontravir be trusted? Is this thing a reliable narrator? Mm. I don't know. Like I didn't consider that. There's no reason not to trust it, I guess, but especially the whole thing we touched on earlier with like the visions and using F as a pawn. I'm not saying a is behind that, but like, what like wh- whose agenda is behind all of this? And maybe Avon Trevere is like an unbiased, just telling it like it is. But I don't know. I, well, I, I mean, clearly set of uh, F Terran on his path to his own demise. Right, right. I mean, I, I guess it could have been that you know Avon Trevere said like, "Hey, and be careful, by the way." You know, but presumably for the greater good, sent on F Terran. Um, theoretically you know could be sending the party off to their own demise for the good of yeah and yeah because again not saying this is the case but if they are unreliable and do have their own agenda what might that agenda be well they're a gaudishari that died during the calamity had everything stripped from them right because of wizards and gods right you know we know the gaudishari were like they were like one with the Eidolons and the Titans. And what is this tree having them do <laughs> recover the two Titan things? So I don't know. It could have its own agenda and could be an unreliable narrator. I think that's a great point. A great insight. Um, let me read some of these other questions. Um, what oh, happens to the, go ahead. Oh, no, yeah. Yeah. So that's what I was leading into, but read that first. Cause that's what I was going to talk about. Um, what happens to the gods if Pradathos is not stopped? Uh, the party feels a shared vision. They see a thin line of the bloody bridge widen. This is the line leading up to the moon, the elevator. The skies crack, beings of impossible fathomability, light and shadow alike, stepping from the heavens, a lattice of infinite gold, apparate and shatter, the divine gate breaking. Uh, the lights and shadows leave, chased by a glow of endless red. As those lights fade, left below, the blue waters and green of the world lay bare. And the vision poles. So what I was going to say is. If it's a reliable narrator. Then we now have our answers. As to what happens if Rodathos gets free. Because we were wondering like. Would he be able to pass through the divine gate? Would he like wreak havoc on Exandria first? And according to that vision. The divine right. gate breaks. And they all run. And Pradathos chases them. So like. <clears throat> And on to the second part of that sentence in a second, but at least that part of the vision could show that, you know, maybe, maybe there is no downside in terms of people who want the gods gone to unleashing Pradathos. Like he's not going to kill the gods and then stick around and kill all of us. Maybe. Um, which I, well, I guess the question is with like the laid bear, is it yeah that's the second part does he mean like laid bare like a wasteland like ruin or does he mean laid bare like back to like its original form like it's laid laid out to be remade or reshaped or it feels like question feels like how you interpret it depends yeah (laughs) on if this is really bad i mean it could be that pradathos leaves to chase after the gods but everything is destroyed right or it could be it it leaves the world now for us to decide what we do with it. Um, 
it is interesting how it seems like there's ambiguity with that question. And yet later, um, he says lewdness should be stopped. Um, so, yeah. and it, it even actually says it may be very, it may very well be that there are harder choices for you to make the further you draw close to your destiny, which is cryptic. But so if lewdness should be stopped, isn't his plan to free Pradathos or is we've talked about what's motivating lewdness. If this really is a story of, um, you know, revenge against the gods, or if he has an actual ulterior motive to take Pradathos's place. So I, I don't, even though I'm saying these things feel like they're mutually exclusive, like it is whatever you decide, yeah. but stop lewdness. It, it may, very, may well, very, very may well be that they aren't exclusive. And he's saying it's your choice. If you want to stop opening up Pradatha's prison, but definitely stop uh, lewdness from his actual plan, yeah. which, so yeah, I don't know, but don't yeah, know. I'm with you. Yeah. I get what you're saying. I, <clears throat> I don't know either. I think <clears throat> there must be some nuance to it. I would imagine, um, you know, maybe, even if they are, even if it, if it is a tale of revenge, maybe there's some, like, even if it's not to ascend, maybe lewdness has some like, okay, after this happens type of plans that need to be thwarted. Um, but yeah, in any case, it definitely, definitely feels like Matt is ultimately setting them up for like this huge philosophical question of like, you getting rid of the gods or not, you know, mm-hmm. kind of regardless of how lewdness plays into it. Um, yeah. Cause I mean that that seemed to be the whole grand destiny that the tree kept like teasing them with. They're like, you know, you're heading to this thread that, you know, you right. will be the ones to potentially disrupt the destiny that this other dude has spent hundreds, right. if not thousands of years setting up. So it def it definitely feels poised for Bell's Hells to be at a yeah at the train tracks and they decide which lever to, you know, pull. Um Yeah, it says you walk you walk a path together. Um, oh man, I'm sorry. I got to mute myself. I got to take this call real quick. <laughs> okay. Sorry, brother. Well, I'm sorry. No, you're that? good. You're good. You're good. All right. I can wax poetic all day. So here's, <clears throat> here's my thinking Hello? on that. Oh, you're not muted. Oh, <laughs> I think I can mute him actually. Um, yeah, what's going on? No, no. Hmm. All right. Well, we're dis we're disconnected him for now. Okay, he'll he'll rejoin when he's ready. Um. Oh. <laughs> Oh no, you're not muted. Yeah, right. Uh, hopefully he gets it. Um. <laughs> okay. Um. Where was I? So this vision. Um. We already talked about the first part where I think it's really interesting that we have the gods and Pradathos leaving, and then we have the laid bear, right? which like Blake was just talking about that laid bare could mean Alexandria is devastated and is now laid bare. <clears throat> but if it doesn't mean that 
If it does mean Perdathos and the gods leave without inflicting this vast chaos on the planet, another interpretation of Laid Bear could be that there is now nothing left to protect Exandria. There is no divine gate. There are no gods with which to draw divine powers. Now, there may be another, especially mechanically way to, like, have spells and stuff, but in a grand philosophical sense, the, the planet is now in the open, laid bare for whatever threats local, domestic, extra planar may come. You know, there's now nothing protecting it, um, which <clears throat> we know that Pradathos has been described as alien. We know the gods were refugees, a.k.a. alien, at least in the sense of Exandria. What other things are out there that may now be able to access Exandria? And not even... <clears throat> extraterrestrial extra planar entities but what about things we know about uh aka the chained oblivion which is not a deity at least as we've been told thus far it is explicitly not a deity and so if its chains are broken which seemingly if the divine gate breaks and all the gods leave its bindings would too be broken now it is just going to have free reign on exandria um I don't know. So like even in a even in a best case interpretation of the gods leaving and Exandria's laid bare, there are still a lot of things that to worry about. Um so I don't know. I think Matt <clears throat> I think Matt explicitly used that vague language and that cryptic language because of it's a D&D game, you know. It could go any number of directions. So obviously there's no like one in-game scenario that he's just hinting at, you know, playing out. So I think, I think his options are open, but I think it's really interesting to think about. All right. Um, <clears throat> let me look through my notes again. The good news is, I mean, I think we had pretty much talked about most of everything we wanted to. So if I can't find anything else, I may just wrap this up for us. Cause I have no idea how long that it's going to call it that TV call. I have no idea how long that phone call is going to be. Um, <clears throat> oh, okay. Yeah. There's one more thing, which it'd be nice to have Blake to bounce this off, bounce this off of, but really it's stemming from kind of some campaign one lore. So, um, uh, I can just kind of talk through it myself. So I was wondering if Ashton might be fate touched. Now, if you don't know what that is, it's basically just like a special, <clears throat> designation i guess let's call it um which i don't want to get into too many spoilers most of you are going to know what i'm talking about but i'll still just be vague uh but there was a character in campaign one that was fate touched and it has a lot to do with destiny with fate and with being able to kind of mess with or reassemble those threads of fate being able to kind of change destiny or rather that destiny is changed kind of just around you as a byproduct you are almost you're almost removed from the web and able to kind of create your own threads if if we could put it that way and <clears throat> ashton which the character in campaign one didn't have dunamantic lux and beacon stuff um but so the fact that ashton also has that um is just another you know tally in the column of could he be fate touched and this is just like a cool way to um, exemplify that. Um, I don't know because the tree, 
you know, basically set up that like, hey, you have a destiny. Um, your father's entire destiny was just to get you here. So I think he might be. Are you uh sorry, you weren't like, muted, so I I kept Oh yeah, you. I I realized I muted my OBS, but not um <laughs> Discord. But I was like, did he just kick me from the call? <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't sorry, know what I had, that phone call was about, so I just wanted yeah, to be safe. I I had a customer who uh, I had somebody who um their marketing person they lost their the marketing person lost their customer who went to a different marketing person and the marketing person felt like the other person had stolen the customer from them um which was not the case they just lost the customer and the and then the person was calling me to be like hey these two people i don't know what's going on and i was like i don't even know why you're calling me because i'm not involved <laughs> in it so anyway um but yeah so all that random mess but anywho anywho where were we um I, I talked about two things while you were away, um, which I don't want to just like completely dive into them, but I'll just, I'll give you the gist of what I was saying. Um, one is about that laid bare line. Mm. I was saying that even in like the best case scenario where that means Pradathos and the gods left and they didn't destroy Exandria first, uh, laid bare could just mean that now there's not like now Exandria is defenseless there is no divine gate there are no gods mm. um what other alien or extra planar or horrible entities mm -hmm. may now be able to access exandria without its protectors or gates if you will um and i specifically mentioned the chained oblivion um which is an entity on exandria that um i'm assuming if the divine gate broke which it's not behind the divine gate but if that broke and the gods left i'm assuming its bindings would be freed and it would just have free reign on the planet um, so even in like the best case scenario of the laid bear, like it could still be bad. Yeah. Um, I, I think maybe it seems like let's just agree. Pradathos getting free is probably not a good thing, which I think the party is mostly there, even though it's taken like 40 episodes of, you know, <laughs> are we, do we want to do this? Are we good? So could just be the natural, uh, natural way of things, you know, predators and prey. I guess, yeah. I don't know. But um, what was the, your second point, though? The only other thing is I was wondering if Ashton is fate-touched, which is like a specific mechanic or designation in Matt's world. Um, Interesting. That uh, one of the characters in Campaign 1 was fate-touched. Um, basically just means that, you know, you kind of can... All these, like, destiny-driven events happen around you and you are able to, like, mold them kind of by your presence. Um which mm. no, I don't think he has to be, but like he certainly could be with everything that we know is going on with him. Not to mention the Dunamancy head. All right. There's a lot of the spoilers about this fate touch <laughs> thing. So I'm going to stop. Yeah, you, should this, maybe, you should maybe back out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Some interesting things for sure. Uh, presumably got a big combat session coming up. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't guess that this shard is undefended. Um, that's a good point yeah keep in mind that resurrection magic still doesn't work i don't know if this is something that's permanently doing now or what exactly but i wouldn't um, guess it's permanent i mean i would assume it just has to do with the the solstice shenanigans so yeah yeah i don't know though so. but yeah that's mm. always good to remember is that that's i mean i guess they haven't tested it <laughs> especially in a while like maybe it's maybe like vibes it of like <clears throat> i found this bulletproof vest shoot me and see if it works 
Uh, I'm just looking at these questions to see questions and answer if there's anything else that was mentioned. Yeah, we didn't I um, talk about. I think I hit everything I wanted to. I was looking through my notes when you were off. While he's looking through, I'll go ahead and plug once more the Discord. Um, come hang out with us. Come talk theories. Uh, come have watch parties again. Tomorrow night, we will be having our Campaign 3 Episode 75 watch party. This Sunday, the finale of Calamity and various times Fantasy High, if you're into that. I didn't. I think we covered everything on the questions, too. Nice. So, <clears throat> uh, Thank you all again for helping us get to 10,000 subs. I appreciate yes. you all being on the journey with us. Indeed. Here's, so. to, here's to the next 7,000 yeah <laughs> it's not that but many none after <laughs> i don't know why i said seven thousand. i was i was initially gonna say like a huge number and then seven thousand just mm -hmm. came out so yeah i will say we did start a gaming channel we're trying to kind of like um subsect our channel a little bit better kind of niche it a little bit better uh so you can check out in our discord we have a link to it but it's the pixelless gaming uh, at pixelless gaming and we're gonna try to focus more pixelless gaming content there yeah so if you like game you can check that out too and if you don't you just want to help us out yeah. <laughs> you know. But alrighty, all right, y'all. Well, until next time. Bye.